Tell your friends, the Mark and Max Show is back and better than ever. LiveRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Max Show. Good to have you with us today. And hey, just to give you an idea, um, I don't take great joy in anybody's suffering, but watching uh, PMSNBC last night and <laughs> CNN... <laughs> You know, that was not that enjoyable. As a matter of fact, I kept thinking, oh, if I had funny. a VCR, I would be recording this for posterity. Oh, you know, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. They were losing it, man, last yeah. night. <laughs> this morning, there's this thing going around. It's a Van Jones. He comment. He does commentary for CNN, right? Right. <laughs> he says. He says at some point, Democrats are coming across as annoying and offensive and out of touch. I think it's a. There's a message here. And Anderson Cooper responds, it seems annoying to a lot of people. Well, there is a meeting scheduled today. Van Jones probably won't be on the air with him for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, it was funny. Larry Elder, Larry Elder this morning oh, yeah. posts on Twitter, Virginia built back better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was funny. It just, you know, the uh, gubernatorial rate, and in case you weren't following him, and, and look, I know that um, for those of uh, you who are watching the Braves win the World Series last night, there was an election. (laughs) Yeah, in Virginia and New Jersey. Yes. (laughs) That while I enjoy the Braves winning the World Series, you know, uh, anyway, just it was funny watching the the clips that have been put together by some. But uh, anyway, in in New Jersey and in Virginia, uh, both rejecting the liberal agenda, um, which is an anti-God uh, agenda in many ways. So anyway, just kind of an exciting night, but if you're, if I do encourage Christians to at least be aware of what's going on, uh, a lot of times they, I, I've told you this before, when I went to Bible college, uh, you know, you're broke when you're in college, you know, oh, yeah, money. Yeah. and, um, we would go to the library to read the newspaper and it, or that's what I got in the habit of doing except when I got to Bible college when they didn't have any. And I'm oh. like, you guys have other periodicals. Why don't we have a newspaper? Like, how about USA Today? Could we get that maybe? <laughs> oh, you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. And I realize that's how a lot of people within our uh, the religious circle tend to see yeah. things. And I will tell you that uh, that that does not help you become no. an effective sharer of the gospel no. if you don't know what's going on in the world. Mm, and yeah. so, anyway, it also uh, pulls out. a lot of things. You're going to get taught of things about uh, about prophecy and about the you know about the future in church in in uh, in Sunday school and your Wednesday night. You know, your more in depth times at church. Odds are you're going to have some teaching about the the way the world is going to go as as revealed in Scripture, and to be able to know what's happening in the news right now it just dovetails right into all that. So right. it helps you make better sense of things. Uh, here's another thing I thought was funny. The Babylon Bee. I love the Babylon Bee so much. Yeah. <laughs> the headline, Terry McAuliffe baffled that telling parents the state owns their children wasn't a winning strategy. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> he was saying that parents don't have a right. Remember, the parents don't have a right to, to, uh, to know what's going on in the schools. They can't t- dictate the you know, what's happening in their schools. It's none of their business. That's what he actually said. He said it out loud on a microphone in front of God and everybody. And wow. he's mystified that he lost. 
<laughs> so there you have it, friends. I saw, I saw some of the data earlier earlier this morning. This is the outstanding group that swayed, that swung from blue to red from uh, Democrat voting. Because you remember, Virginia went 10 points ahead for Biden. <laughs> nudge, yeah. nudge, wink, wink. And, and, and but almost the same margin. The the left lost in Virginia this time, but it would it was it was white women, angry moms, basically decided this election. <laughs> They're saying you 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 no no you don't own our children. They're ours. You'll stop putting them. Uh, you'll stop locking them out of schools. You'll stop making them wear masks all the time, and you'll stop trying to program them with critical race theory. We're not having it anymore. And they showed up and said, "No, McCall, if you're gone." Radio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac show, and a, uh, uh, it is cool to be here today with uh, the Braves winning the World Series yep. over the Astros. And, uh, you know, if if you, Mark, back in the day, if you remember, uh, the Braves were the lovable losers, you know? It was just. <laughs> and yeah, then, yeah. you know. It's kind of like, like the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah, the same thing there. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> always amazing to me um, back in the day watching different coaches that would go from different because the uh, Major League Baseball is very incestuous or it was uh, where managers would just they get retreaded. You know, it's like right. they go to one team and they lose. They go to another. They get they kept getting, you know, manager gigs. But there were a couple that just constantly won no matter where they went. I remember Tony LaRusso with the A's and then with the Cardinals, you know, uh, Joe Torre, uh, Bobby Cox. Bobby Cox is the one that really comes to mind, you know, with Atlanta uh, back in the day. He uh, brought the Braves out of the doldrums. Uh, they're going to the World Series, not winning, but going to the World Series. And then he leaves and goes to the Toronto Blue Jays as their uh, head guy, you know, above the G. The, he became the general manager there. Mm. They start winning. He comes back to the Braves. They start winning again. I mean, it was just, I kept wondering back then, how is it that you got one guy of all these teams and you have this one guy or two or three that you can point a finger at and go wherever they go, the team wins. Mm. I mean, it could be because all these players are phenomenal. I mean, yeah, yeah. they aren't, you know, it, they are not scrubs. You know, no. if you make it on a Major League Baseball <laughs> roster. That's right. You're in the top half a percentile, you know. Uh, you didn't anyway. get there by being lousy. No. Right. <laughs> and it's just amazing to me. I think that more than anything else, that when you have winning organizations. Yeah. And I, I wonder how that happens because that's life. You know, life yeah. is like that. You have churches mm. uh, that, that tend to grow and explode. You look at Church of the Highlands and yeah. developing a new way of church. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, it's. The word is still the same, yeah. but they've developed a new way of doing things that mm. is very powerful, yep. and uh, it's scary to some because they don't understand it. Oh, uh, meanwhile, yeah. um, and I remember, I, I'm going to use them as an example, but I, I watched as, the, uh, as they started a, a new outpost, okay? Mm. And I watched other churches in the area shudder, you know, mm. and think, well, we don't need them. Why, you know, and I'm like, you know, just because they're doing something different doesn't make it something you have to reject. Right, yeah. And I think about that when you compare it with baseball. The Atlanta Braves won. And this is an organization that has had many ups and downs over the years. And yet, they're winners right now. You know, mm. they won. They beat the Astros. Yeah. And uh, that's how we have to be in life. We have, to, we have to go for the win. Our organization, our life has to be that of a winner. Yeah. And I will tell you that winners focus on one thing, and that is winning. In life, it's because winning represents peace, joy, 
winning. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're we're a front runner society, man. Right, yeah, people want to be associated with winners. So when you see something that's winning, people gravitate towards it. Right. That's where Church of the Highlands has exploded because mm-hmm. people look at it and go, "Well, I've got friends going there, and I didn't expect they would ever leave the you know, this particular church, and because right, they yeah. weren't being fed at that one anymore." So right. Yeah. Anyway, just be open to change. Be yeah. open to yeah. what is winning. Yeah. And uh, you copy that. If you really want to know what winning is and you want to know how to do it, it's the secret. But I will share it with you very quickly. People will say you learn, you know, that losing is not that bad because you learn from losing. I will tell you what. You do not learn from losing. You learn how to lose. That's all you do. You learn how to lose. And I, if you focus on that and figure out all the things you need to learn, those are all the things you need to learn to be a lose. Mm. To, I don't want to call it, I don't want to say a loser, but to lose. And in reality, you look at a win, break it down in your life. What was that thing that you did in high school? You know, where you wrote a term paper and got an A plus or, you know, two outs in the bottom of the sixth inning. You're a nine year old playing little league. You got a runner on second. And, you know, with two strikes, you put the ball in play and you score the winning run and your team carries you off the field. You know, all the things that went into the the term paper in high school or that single when you were in the bottom of the sixth inning, you know, as a nine year old, you did everything you were supposed to do. You kept your eye on the ball. You stayed focused. You swung level. You did all the things that you had practiced. Mm. That's life. The term paper. You did all the things required of you. You followed the rules. You did them excellently. You spent the time to do it right. Yeah. That's our life. If you want to earn the right to share the gospel, you have to do those things. Right. Otherwise, people will pick you apart, and they mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. Oh, they love to go, oh, yeah, that Dave Mack. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you should have seen him. Oh, boy. Yeah, they do the same thing with churches. And like yep. we were talking about Highlands, they do the same thing. I can't count yep. the number of times I've seen, oh, that place is a cult. Really? I know. You know <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> How it funny. It blows me away. I love what the pastor, Chris uh, Chris Hodges, says. Uh, you have questions about us? Come check us out. Come on. Right. Come sit in the service. So yep. you'll, and you'll find out they're teaching the same thing you are. They've just have yep. a, They just have discovered... They've just they've discovered a unique way of locking people in to the faith by finding their personality traits and putting them where they'll shine. And if you shine someplace and you really, really clicks for you, then you're not going to walk away from it. You're going to you're going to keep digging and finding out more, which is an awesome thing. And back to winning and losing again, you can you can learn lessons from losing if you're a winner. (laughs) Yeah, right. right. <laughs> you learn what not to do next time. But you already yeah. know that. Usually well, you already, we, I mean, Mark, have you, ever, so have you ever done something wrong is, and but, didn't know it was wrong? But the, but, the thing, but the thing is, yes, I have done something wrong and didn't know it was wrong and, oh, okay. and made a big mess of things. And okay. I realized, okay, I, I see what I did wrong here. And I, it comes from uh, woodworking projects to working on cars to anything else. Oh, man, I really, oh, God, I better pull up YouTube and find out what I did wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you can learn from losing, but you have to learn from losing what to do right the next time so you can win. LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac show. And. Good to have you with us today. We do appreciate it. We know you've got choices for how you're going to spend your time and how you're going to spend your day. And we ask that you share this with a loved one, friend, or anybody. Just, you know what? Write it down on a piece of paper and drop it at your local convenience store. <laughs> Listening to, yeah, you know. Or look get for it. Dave and get a sticker from him. And There you go. <laughs> hey, man, an Ohio porch gargoyle. I saw that and I went, okay, 
where is Mark headed with this? Was there a picture of me somewhere? A gargoyle is just one of those. It's a, it's a word you don't see that often, you know? Have you, gargoyle. Have you been in Ohio lately? No, I have not. And I, but I'm thinking Ohio porch garga, gargoyle. I can't even say it. I know. You're having trouble with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, with me. a porch gargoyle in Ohio has made quite the impact on local charities, now raising more than $330,000. Uh, Frank, the Christmas gargoyle, sits on Denise Starr's front porch. Within the past year, this little statue has gained a following. Frank's claim to fame came around Christmas time last year when Starr's neighbor, who she calls Karen, <laughs> sent her a note complaining about Frank. She wanted me to put Frank in the garage, she says, out of sight, because she thought he was unsightly and wasn't keeping with the Christmas spirit, and he wasn't festive. Well, Starr decided to deck Frank out. And the entire porch, that is, for the Christmas season. She took pictures of the display as well as a picture of the note that Karen had sent her and posted it on social media. It quickly went viral, and people started donating to the Dayton Food Bank in Frank's name. He raised 50 grand in a matter of days. She says, Star says, I don't know. I don't know that she necessarily appreciates the whole thing, but you know, she's part of it. She's part of the reason why it became so popular. Star never initially intended continuing the decorations and the fundraisings after Christmas, but people continued to give. She wow. says, and, and I was like, well, let's see how far I can go with it. <laughs> Frank the Gargoyle has raised more than $330,000 for organizations like House of Bread, Crayons to Classrooms, and Hospice of Dayton, among others. The Cincinnati Zoo, that was the funnest one for me, she says. I had been in contact with a t-shirt company in Cincinnati, and they started putting out the t-shirts that raised money for the Cincinnati Zoo. As Star is decorated for all the holidays, she says Karen has had plenty to gripe about. She complained a lot at Easter. She made a comment on a note that she hoped I get ants because I had peeps out there. <laughs> Despite the nasty notes from Karen, uh, she writes uh, she write, she wrote Karen a thank you note because she credits her with some of Frank's success. <laughs> she says she says I found it ripped up in pieces back on the porch a few days later. <laughs> oh how funny well that'll probably be the last thank you note she'll send she won't be stopping the displays anytime soon good for her that's awesome. i like i like immediately labeling the complainer as a karen you know that's such a cool too. thing i just feel it's bad funny. for my niece karen yeah you know because my niece karen is not one of those oh, no. but you, i don't even want to call her karen anymore you know i want to call her something else mm -hmm. but that's okay if she ever does complain i'm dropping the karen on her just so you know <laughs> even though she doesn't deserve it mm -hmm. you should liferadio.fm it's the mark and mag show you know we've got your home for the soundtrack for your life all day long you know we play a lot of music in the morning and then all, it continues all day so yeah. keep us keep us with you wherever you go you will enjoy it when uh i saw this headline mark and i saw the s's okay and i'm gonna be yeah, honest with yeah. you there were many things that crossed through, through my mind right one was uh do, do we have a story here about a speech impediment do we have a story here about a snake <laughs> travel expert explains why you don't want to see sss on your boarding pass right yeah if and this has happened to me if you've ever been on really? a flight yeah it has you've probably looked at your boarding pass and wondered what some of the codes printed on the ticket mean one code you stupid, might stupid smelly stinky short <laughs> what what code you might find is the SSSS stamp. 
And TikTok user and travel expert Michelle has said that she's uh, that has said that's never something you want to see on your boarding pass. That's because the SSSS stamp is an indication you have been selected for a thorough search, which is not a pleasant experience. Michelle explained in a video, quote, this is something you never want to see in your boarding pass, the quadruple S. It stands for Secondary Security Screening Selection. And it Ah. means you're going to get searched again super thoroughly, and it's usually found on international flights to the U.S. The SSS stamp should be random, but some people could find themselves getting picked for search multiple times if something is flagged as suspicious in your information. But Michelle, she's based in L.A., says there are steps you can take to try to stop yourself from getting repeatedly searched. In another video, she explained if you get that quadruple S on your boarding pass a lot, here's a trick that could help with that issue. If you go to the U.S. Department of Homeland Security website, you can apply for a redress, a redress number, which prompts the DHS to review your record and clear up any erroneous or weird info that could be triggering the additional security measures. Once they've investigated your records and you're hopefully clear, you'll want to input your redress number on all of your flight reservations going forward and you should hopefully be good to go she notes in the uh, in the comments that the trick only works for people who get the mark on their boarding pla- uh, pass frequently and she says by the way if you get it once it, uh, once or very infrequently you could have been randomly picked but this this is for people who get picked repeatedly so that's not random <laughs> And yeah, I have been there. I, I've been there a couple of times. Uh, um, there was that time that uh, I had to I had to substitute and go to uh, West Palm Beach for a radio thing. Oh yeah, remember? <laughs> yeah, I remember doing that so, to you. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, here, Mark. Here's a great gift. You want to go to Florida for me? <laughs> that's right. You'll have a lot of fun. You get to hang out, eat free, stay in a nice hotel, yeah. get to play golf, yada 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 yada. Yeah, yeah. And then I got the uh, <clears throat> the uh, <laughs> the Barney Fife. Uh, where's your address, Mister? The guy's standing there looking mm-hmm. at my <laughs> looking wow. at my driver's license. How long wow. have you lived here, sir? Oh, going goodness. through that. The next time was uh, uh, coming back from Oklahoma City. Um, I got targeted for the serious deep search. Just I, when the when the guy apologizes to you as he's pulling on the rubber glove, you just say yes, sir. <laughs> Whatever you want, sir. Anything, sir. You know. But he goes through all my luggage. He goes. I mean, he goes. He, I, you got to take off your shoes. He's got to search you physically. All this other stuff. And the whole time he's apologizing. Right. What did you do, Mark? That caused all that. That's I what I want to know. I think it was just a random thing. They were yeah, pulling. Right. You know. And I thought, <laughs> that is something I don't want to go through again. And I, you know, if, if you go through that and you travel a lot, maybe you should just stay home. Yeah, really. <laughs> if you're 50 plus white guy, you're not the target. You know what I mean? No. It's like, it, it, do you know why certain parts of the country don't have a problem with, with you know, people doing these things? Because they t- target, you know, they actually go, here are the people who are probably going to do something like this. Right, Search yeah. them. Leave everybody else alone. You know? Exactly. Yeah, Unbelievable. That's, that's so we got it, the quadruple. Yes. Yeah, that's what Israel does. Israel Israel has yeah. trained their people to spot certain behavior, certain characteristics, and they go for those people. And Israel doesn't have a problem with things like that. Right. Yeah. Oops. Oops. Mm. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. Mark, the other day you and I got talking about uh, pizza and uh, Pizza Inn in particular. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it's so funny because since then I've actually been eyeballing a couple of different things and <laughs> it's like we all have a preference you know yeah. we just 
you know, you might have like, you like pizza, generally speaking, but you might have a specific type. Mm. And I have a specific type that I like better than the others. And I don't know why that is. I really don't. But mm. anyway, whenever I see a pizza story, my first thought is, what am I eating for lunch today? Why do I not eat? Why, why don't I have this right now? You know, I know. All right. Well, Darren Davies, he's, he lives in the UK. He couldn't wait to get his pizza hut order when the delivery driver turned up at his door, but he was a bit disappointed when he opened the box and discovered it really wasn't what he ordered. Instead uh, of his American barbecue pizza, the customer services assistant claims he found the remains of dry old pizzas with two different toppings and a, a slice was missing. Yeah. Um, Mark, you, you got me at dry old pizzas. <laughs> that would be the end of looking. I mean, that why would, would be you? it? Yes. Yes. I know. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Let you. me add, if that's not bad enough, there wasn't even enough of it. Well, it appears Darren had been, uh, working from home when he ordered a pizza ahead of time to enjoy on his lunch break, but he was busy taking a call when the order arrived. So his brother-in-law who was there opened the door and took the delivery. And he recalls, I finished my call, went downstairs and I took the box. There was no seal on it. I looked at it and it looked like a slice had been taken out. I came back down and said, guys, someone's taken a slice of my pizza and they had somebody and they said, no, of course we haven't. I then looked back in the box and thought there's different pizzas in here. There was a veggie one, a chicken one. They were all different slices. I'd ordered the American barbecue. The slices were all curled up because they'd been cooked a while before. Wait a they, minute. They just had, that wasn't the first thing yeah, you noticed? Curled up dry old pizza. I think I the, probably would have noticed the toppings first and then noticed. I, the oh, first yeah. thing he noticed is that there's a piece missing. Uh -huh, really? Yeah. That's what got your attention. Well, okay. I don't know. If you're starving and you think it's gone through yeah. somebody else's hands, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Who took a piece of pizza? I wouldn't care. Would you care? I wouldn't care. <laughs> now, well, right. depends on how big the pizza was and how hungry I was. To but be considering like this is in the UK and we have yeah. the story here today. Yes. <laughs> gotta be wait a minute yeah. the paul harvey rest, the rest of, of the, the story. story yes after calling up the restaurant to complain it turned out that darren had mistakenly been sent a doggy bag from one of the diners eating in the restaurant instead <laughs> of the fresh pizza he'd ordered <laughs> she's uh, he's, he says she said look i'll be completely honest we've got customers in store on table 18 they wanted to take their food home so we put it in a box and we were keeping it warm for them by the way, the, the, there was the number. It says T18 on the box in the picture. So they offered Darren the chance to collect the, the correct order from the store. In other words, go by and pick it up himself. But sadly, he was unable to pick it up because he didn't have enough time left on his lunch break to make the journey. Pizza Hut apologized for the isolated incident and confirmed they were investigating while the delivery service called Just Eat, uh, kind of like DoorDash around here, said they were now processing a full refund for the customer. A spokesperson for Pizza Hut restaurant said the health and safety of our customers is oh, of the grief. utmost importance to Pizza Hut, and we're committed to maintaining high standards in all our branches. We're investigating the details of this isolated incident with our restaurant and also with Just Eat. Oh. We have reached out to the customer to apologize, ensure he receives a full refund, as well as a thank you gesture for raising this to our attention. Here's no. what you do, <laughs> and you keep idiots for like us from hearing about it, okay? <laughs> Dude calls your store and you're like, oh yeah, big mistake. You take a $20 bill and you send him a fresh pie and say, thank yeah. you. We're really sorry. Here you go. That's bad, right. Uh, our yeah. bad. And by the way, here's a coupon. Come enjoy us. You know, uh -huh. that's all you do. Yep. And you know what? You win the guy for life instead of yep. making this. We're going to investigate and blah. 
look, people make mistakes. Why are you? Why do we have to treat everything like yeah. it's the dog who didn't make it outside and take? Yeah. It's like you got to rub their nose in the bleach. You know, it's like get over here. Hey, 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 hey! I told you that was for the dogs, man. What is your problem? Wait a minute. <sighs> what kills me is the girl at the restaurant. Oh, you can come pick it up if you want to. Yeah, right. There you no, go. No, that's not how this works. You're going to call the DoorDash people, yeah. oh, have them goodness. come by and pick up another pizza, the one I ordered, and send it to me. And you're going to do it right now <laughs> because my lunch break's almost over. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark Mac Show. And, you know, we mentioned the podcast. We mentioned sharing uh, liferadio.fm with your friends and family and neighbors and anybody. Uh, I hope you took our advice with the uh, the Sharpie uh, mm, yes. and, and used it to its fullest extent on Halloween. And uh, trick or treat. Nope. Here you go. Um, we actually have the daily Bible reading as well, where you yeah. can either read along with us or, uh, Mark, you pointed this out the other day. You know, you can listen to it as well. Very yeah. easy, uh, wonderful thing to do. So we would love for you to join us in any way you feel like you can. And if you're already listening to us. I guess that's kind of for everybody else in your life, you know, because you're already there with us. And why am I even talking? Well, All that's, right. That's how so, you share it with others. You yeah, say, look, give, give me your phone. Let me show you something. I know. Here's the app. <laughs> That All right, Mark. Yes. Attack of the killer tomatoes. <laughs> attack, attack. <laughs> it's got little Billy. Um, <laughs> no, it's not tomatoes. It's iguanas. Iguanas actually are a fact of life in South Florida. We've had stories about iguanas there before. These green scaly reptiles are an ever-present reality once you choose trading in your snow shovel for, for, for beach chairs. You'll see them sprinting across highways, l- watching you from the trees. They even show up in your toilet. Uh, Harold Rondon, he's a trapper with Iguana Lifestyles. <laughs> Wait a minute. Right, come on. Iguana Lifestyles. It's how Please tell me a, this is a, a hobby ca- for it's him. It's a cable show. Iguana Lifestyles. Uh, <laughs> this can't be real. This has got to be a hobby, right? I mean, I know they're no, overrun down no, there. No, it's a business. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's Iguana Lifestyles in North Miami Beach. He says, wow. he says we can't stop them. Because they reproduce like crazy. We just have to contain them. You see, at around the age of three. You can't help to stop him. All you can do is contain him. That's it's exactly like right. OG, you know. <laughs> I know. Iguanas begin to repro- reproduce around the age of three, and they do so annually. They lay about 50 eggs a year, and they live, uh, and that'll go on for about 12 years until they pass away. But don't expect to call animal control and have anybody help you if a green thing is lounging on your lawn and looks as if it wants to stay for a while. There's no state or even any local program to remove iguanas the way there is for, you know, like a possum or a coyote. So you got two options if an iguana is in your midst and you don't want it to be there. One, call in a professional like that trapper, uh, Rondon, who will come to your house and remove the unwanted visitor and then humanely do away with it. He'll kill it. Or you can kill it yourself. Yeah, you have to put it down. Uh, Rondon says people think they belong here, but they don't. Many don't realize the law or they aren't educated. Iguanas, first introduced to South Florida in the 60s pet trade, just like so many other things, you know, like uh, like the big snakes, the pythons and things like that, are considered an invasive species. That means they're, no, they're non-native animals. They have no business being there. They can mess with your ecosystem. They can uh, lead to extinction of native plants and animals, and they can permanently alter habitats. So the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission clearly states, 
you could be fined if you see an iguana on your property and you just move it to some other property. You put it somewhere else. <laughs> you can also can't own a pet iguana anymore unless wow. you applied for a no-cost permit and had it microchipped. <laughs> um, like all non-native reptile species, green iguanas are not protected in Florida except by anti-cruelty law and can be humanely killed on private property with landowner permission. So always cracks the, me up about the yeah. humanely killed. Humanely yeah. killed. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, they mean you can't. You can't. I know you can't what make it, means. it suffer. You have to do it. No, quickly. I know what yeah. it means. It yeah. just cracks me up. Humanely, the old, uh, the ultimate thing is it's going to die at your hand. But right. I did pull up Iguana Lifestyles website. Okay, <laughs> oh, no. Iguana Lifestyles plural dot com, uh-huh. and uh, it says, "How can Iguana Lifestyles help?" Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Iguana Lifestyles. Styles is a veteran-friendly small business that was created to assist the community in the eradication of the invasive green iguana species. Mm. The iguana guy, Harold, originally in the hospitality industry, found himself, like many other Americans, furloughed due to COVID-19. He saw the immediate need to eradicate this invasive species wow. and started Iguana Lifestyles. How about that? So there you have it. That's Iguana awesome. Lifestyles. It's a real thing. And, you know, I didn't realize how in, how bad it was. Okay. Yeah. But, it, you know, there's a couple of, uh, I mentioned how Braylon watches a number of shows on YouTube that I would never have watched, you know? Right. Yeah. And a lot of them have to do with animals, uh, fish, what have you. And one of those was, is a guy that rem- is in Florida and he removes snakes and things like that from people's homes. Right. And, uh, you see these iguanas everywhere, man. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, they're running around like squirrels out here. It's, yeah. it's, it's scary. Cause they look like little dragons, man. Yeah, they really do. They are freaky looking lizards. Life radio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. A couple of minutes ago, we were talking about iguana lifestyles.com. And so both of us ended up going there just, yeah. you know, yes. heavy, it's something in Florida that is a big deal. And, you know, I, I don't mock anything because the iguanas are pretty cool looking, but yeah. they do look like miniature dinosaurs. Like yeah. they're going to, you kind of halfway expect these iguanas to be running through your backyard, carrying some miniature guy in their mouth, you know, like <laughs> kind of like the green army guys, you're going to see that. <laughs> well, like actually there's a, there was a, I remember as a kid, I used to love to watch those, those really bad old black and white 50 sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. Where they they used regular everyday creatures as the as the evil things that were killing people, like the giant right. spiders, and and, mm-hmm. and and there was one that had iguanas in it. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> there you go. It looks like a just, giant monster. Yeah. You know what? I think now I'm okay. In Toy Story, they you know they had the Toy Story movies, but right. they would do holiday themed yes. uh, stories that were short. One was the oh, yes. uh, the terror where the iguana was stealing the, Exa- the toys. Yes. Okay. I forgot about go. that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, it's uh, 2021, and uh, you know we're not going to hop on our horses and go out on a on a hunt today. <laughs> I hope most not. of the most of the email in your inbox isn't useful. <laughs> 
No. Now, did you need anybody to tell you that ahead of time, Mark? Trust me, no. <laughs> okay. My inbox is for several different email accounts, and I spend a lot of time every day going through it and uh, delete, 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 delete. No, I'm not sending you money. Delete, delete, delete. <laughs> you know? But it's a barrister from Kenya. <laughs> no, I don't uh, care know. who it is. No. <laughs> well, the unread emails icon can be a source of anxiety for some people. Sometimes it feels like achieving inbox zero you know, reading, filtering, deleting, just dealing with all the emails you get is an impossible goal to achieve. Spending so much time on email can, email can also get in the way of other work and life, basically. Well, Taylor Lawrence felt the same way, so she stopped trying. And that worked for her. She says, <laughs> I felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders when I set the out-of-office responder permanently on. Lawrence is a technology reporter for the New York Times, and she uses a method called Inbox Infinity. Basically, it's the opposite of Inbox Zero. Mm -hmm. Quote, I described it as just letting email messages wash over you, responding to the ones that you can, but ignoring the rest of them. That's it. That's the tip. Just ignore your inbox and go on about your life. While huh. it's just one step, here's some strategies to help implement it. If you're if you're going to try Inbox Infinity, it can help to set a permanent out-of-office responder that lets people know what to expect from you. Should they expect a response from you at all? If so, when? Is there someone else they should contact if they have a specific inquiry? Maybe if you get the same question over and over again, your out-of-office responder could include the answers to some frequently asked questions, so you can be more productive without getting bogged down in the emails. Not everyone has the luxury of being able to just ignore their inbox, especially in a professional capacity, but for a personal inbox, it may be an easier, easier sell. And Lawrence says it can force people to help themselves before reaching out to you. It's really up to you to determine the strength of your approach. Maybe you still check your email once a day. Maybe it's once a week. But the goal is to be less beholden to responding to emails and more focused on other aspects of life. Hmm. It's not a foolproof plan. Lauren says she has missed a few opportunities and announcements here and there. But by and large, she says it's been worth it to regain hours and hours of her life back. Quote, I really do advocate this idea of just giving up that tight control over being a little more and being a little bit more zen. That should tell you a lot. Mm. And accepting that there are things that you just won't get to during the day. And that's fine. No, it's not. I don't buy that at all, Mark. What's wrong with you? <laughs> now, did I say I bought this? No. No. I checked my email a couple of times. It just depends. But it's kind of like usually in in the business scenario it's like the email i expect like if you need me to see something uh -huh. i expect to get a text from you saying hey i sent you an email right you know yes yes because that otherwise the email you know i never assume anyone saw the email for that you know reason uh -huh. exactly, and it's yeah. so anyway but i don't really have that problem i've got settings and stuff i get a bunch oh yeah and but every now and again, i'm gonna be honest mark every now and again okay if and it's a mistake I will open up something that, you know, I know is, um, you know, a scam of some type. Uh -huh. I'll open it up just to look at it, you know, right? Yeah, and it'll suck you in you know, because they're really well done. I like the ones that they're scamming for your information, but they are using the wrong terms. You can tell that the English is not their first language. Exactly. Yeah. And those are the ones that get me because they sound so sincere, especially the Christian ones, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, that. I, I've got a million dollars, but I need you, you know. Right, yeah. 
So I, I told you a couple of years ago, I got turned the tables on a guy who, and I, I sent him back a thing. I, I was doing a little fishing, you know, uh-huh. and he eventually, I kept sending him things. I said, well, you know what? This is a lot of money, but I'm already rich. So if you really want to do this, here's what we're going to have to do. I, there's got to be a bigger cut for me and I got to know you're serious. So yeah. since you have access, go ahead and send me a hundred thousand dollars today. Okay. And <laughs> if you do that the, and I get it, then we'll move forward and we'll get you the hundred million, you right, know, that kind yeah. of thing. And <laughs> when he didn't reply, I started sending him emails, you know, and it, because his job is to scam everyone. He was having to check all of his email replies. Hey, here's another one. I got him. I got him. I got him. And I'm sitting going, send me my money. Where's my money? I, you know? And finally he said, please stop replying. Please stop writing. I'm like, now I got you. I just got bored with the whole thing after a while. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but just terrorizing a criminal for a little bit was kind of like that old thing we had about, uh, Mr. Tailban. You remember that? <laughs> I do Fun remember. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that was an old bit, but it oh, was funny. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, uh, last night, the Braves uh, beat up on the Houston Astros. Pretty anticlimactic uh, World Series win in terms of, you know, 7 nothing victory. Yeah. But, you know, the Braves... It had one of those years where they were never uh, really the pick of the media. You know, the yeah. um, they were kind of dismissed. Yeah. And they were dismissed uh, all the way through the playoffs. And, you know, when it came, it was just they're going to lose kind of thing. And, you know, it's hmm. like every time they just kept winning. It's been funny to watch how the experts get it wrong all the time. <laughs> just that's, that's the Braves, you know. And then, yeah. And it's like. <laughs> I just remember being there at the stadium one year, you know, because you could, when I was a kid growing up, uh, we would get tickets to Dodgers and Angels games, but only, you know, my, uh, it was only at the end of the year, you know, when they were giving them away, you know, if they were already out, usually, okay, just if it wasn't the Dodgers, it was the Angels because they stank. And, (laughs) you know, you go to a game in September, well, there's nobody else there, you know, and it's like my stepfather was from Philadelphia. And so, you know, Philadelphia booed Santa Claus one year, you know, at a stadium. And that's how he was. He'd go to the ball game and I got my heroes out here playing ball. And he's telling, ah, you're a bum. What? What What do you do? What's wrong with you? I'm trying to get this guy's autograph. And you're saying, ah, you're a bum, man. Oh my God. It was horrible. And so he would get these, he would get these tickets at work, you know? And again, the angels are in last place in September. They're just playing out the string. And I'm so excited because it's baseball. You know, I didn't care. And, oh, it was horrible. But I remember because of that going to see, you know, if you like the game, does it really matter? I mean, that it's like it's the game. It's not the standings. It's not. You know what I mean? If you love the game for the game, it's going to see the best of the best. Major League Baseball. Oh, my goodness. And Mm, so seeing a game in September for a team that's already out of the race might not be exciting to the cursory fan, but to a baseball fan watching the players. Oh, and I remember going to a Braves game. This is like in 1990, okay? (laughs) The year they came in last place. And think about it. They went from worst to first, you know, between 90 and 91. Yeah. And sitting out there at the Braves game in September of 1990, and they unfurled a banner, and it said, Go Braves and take the Falcons with you. (laughs) You know, that's how bad it was then. Oh, my goodness. Just crazy stuff.
Anyway, oh, seeing them win all that last night was yeah. really cool. And hey, yeah. if you're a Braves fan, very cool. But it's like, you know, I'm that guy when it comes to playing sports. Um, as long as you have not been mathematically eliminated from the game, the whatever, I believe you have a chance, mm. you know, whether it, it doesn't matter what sport it is. It's like if there's time on the clock, you have a chance. Now, mm. granted, it might be difficult to imagine, but you know what? There have been teams who have come back from many run in baseball in many runs down yeah. with two outs, you know, in the inning. And yeah. um, I think, you know what? One of the greatest one of those Hollywood moments, it was the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Oakland A's. Kirk Gibson uh, was 87, 88, I think, and uh, I think it might have been 88. But anyway, Kirk Gibson, home run shot, you know, yeah. and it was, there's two outs. It's the bottom of the ninth. And the Oakland A's it's have brought in the best relief pitcher, the best closer in Major League Baseball, Dennis Eckersley. Kirk Gibson was so hurt and banged up, he didn't even play. They didn't even introduce him when they brought out all the players at the beginning of the game because man. he was back on the trainer's table. Yeah, he was a bum. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> man. That was horrible. But, you know, it's like he comes up, and uh, it was the 88 World Series, and Gibson goes up and was two outs in the bottom of the ninth. He immediately goes 0-2. No balls, two strikes, you know? And it's like, so think about it. Two outs, bottom of the ninth, a runner on first, Mike Davis. Kirk Gibson has two strikes, and he's facing the number one closer in Major League Baseball. It went on and on <laughs> forever. He fouled off so many pitches, it ends up going to a full count. You know, three balls, two strikes, two down, bottom of the ninth. It's the world series <laughs> and Gibson hits a home run to win wow. the game. Wow. I mean, that's why you never give up. You never give up because as long as you've still got a chance and that's what the Braves did this year. They, they just did not give up. They kept playing the game and now they're the champions of the world for major league baseball. Wow. And the thing is one of the, one of those, uh, what do you call the, the things where people have like a picture of somebody and, it goes viral. Um, a meme? A meme, thank yeah. you. They've got this meme, and it's showing, because the, the game was played in Houston, you know? Yeah. It wasn't in Atlanta. And so there's a picture of these. There's four people. They're obviously Houston Astros fans, and it's like they look so sad. <laughs> and they're like, they paid $10,000 a piece for these tickets, oh, you know, my. to look this sad on national television. <laughs> oh, you know? yeah. The Mark and Mac Show. liferadio.fm it's the mark and mag show chilly today hot tamale you remember those signs on i-95 mark <laughs> back in the day yeah i wonder i haven't driven it lately so i don't know if they're up but i would be willing to bet what i'm, I'm talking about if you drive on i-95 uh and north and south north carolina and south carolina and beyond there are billboards all along the interstate uh, on I-95 heading southbound in North Carolina and, uh, uh, yeah, southbound and then northbound because right yeah. there at the North Carolina, South Carolina border on I-95, there's a place that started off as like a root beer stand or whatever back yeah, in, yeah. you know, yeah. and over the years it's been built up to a whole complex of entertainment and things right, and hotel. Yeah. And so this marketing guy put these billboards up and, you know, about Pedro's place. 
and yeah, they yeah. were always funny and that the you know pedro's weather forecast chilly today hot right. tamale you yeah. know and they were it, it really was nothing more than a gas stop you know if, for travelers and right anyway i just wonder because many of those uh slogans and phrases used would be considered politically incorrect now mm, yeah. so i just wonder you know yeah. they did catch some flack back in the 90s for being racist oh okay yeah and I kept thinking of Speedy Gonzalez, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's, it's, um, South of the border. Yeah. That's the name of the place. And they, SOB. yeah. And they, they actually the lead, the billboards are legendary, but yeah. they did take down the ones that people complained the most about, but the rest mm. of them are still there. Oh, know? okay. Well, so, cool. Yeah. All right. The U S Navy figured out what a nuclear powered attack sub ran into in the South China sea, which is kind of a neat thing to figure out. <laughs> You're thinking, wait, one of our subs ran into something and they yeah, didn't, didn't know what they hit. <laughs> Do we not have a dash cam on a sub? I mean, <laughs> you'd think that it's come a in nuclear handy. powered sub. Mark. Uh, yes. Come on. <laughs> well, the U S Navy investigators have determined what that nuclear powered attack sub hit in the South China sea last month. Um, uh, the USNI News reported this on Monday, citing defense officials familiar with the investigation and a legislative official. The Seawolf-class nuclear-powered attack submarine USS Connecticut collided with an unidentified object on October 2nd. The Navy revealed five days after the incident. Investigators have reportedly determined that the submarine ran aground on an undersea mountain, a seamount, the uh -huh. location of which had until then been uncharted. Wow. So there was an uncharted the, sea mountain in their path and they ran into it. You know, if I'm going to have to go back over the theme, but that was Gilligan's Island, man. <laughs> you know, the ship's aground on the shores of this uncharted desert isle. Come on. You know, uncharted. <laughs> Coming soon to Amazon Prime Video. Yeah. Gilligan's Island underwater. liferadio.fm the mark and max show cruising along singing a song side by side bert and ernie at work there you go <laughs> mark <laughs> over the last uh yes. several years my family has had many many uh dogs come through yeah. here as uh either temporary housing or you know retirement home it's your I'm own foster sure. care program yeah <laughs> that's what happens when you marry ellie may and yes. she raises an ellie may but anyway we have had, uh, like, I call him the church parking lot dog. Oh, okay. that's where Nalex. Yeah, that's where Nalex came from. All somebody right. uh, on a Sunday, somebody, or I actually know, I think it was a Wednesday. It was it was a time when Ladonna was at church for choir practice and was you know playing the piano. Right. And when she got out of practice, we were already home, and she comes home with this dog. Says, "Well, somebody dumped him off, and he was in the parking lot. I was afraid he was going to get hit." Aww. And so anyway, we that that was years ago. Right. Well, he's a weenie dog, kind of, I don't know. He, kind of? You know. Yeah, he, he's long like a weenie dog, but he's I got know. the, you know. Anyway, know. <laughs> so when we got our bulldog, which this was one of those dogs that LaDonna had always wanted. We have a friend that raised him, and the long story short is I would never pay $3,200 for a dog. Woo! But I understand. I understand why they cost that much. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you really have to be devoted to this uh, pet. 
they right. require a lot of upkeep. They're, mm. you know, they're high anyway, maintenance. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. And because of the little folds in their skin, you know, I mean, there's a lot going on with these guys. When you're used to dogs that somebody threw away and you're raising and, you know, yeah. And they don't require a whole lot, except they're just thankful you fed them, you know. <laughs> and then you have a bulldog who requires a lot of attention. It's just a different game. So anyway, yeah, yeah. but there you put the boys together. And one thing I was told when dogs don't get along, of course, and when you're dealing with bringing in dogs from all different walks of life, you don't know what they've got going on, you know, in their background. Yeah. And because I'm not a dog whisperer, you know, I don't understand what they're talking about. So anyway. <laughs> Over time, you learn, you, you let the boys duke it out and, you know, you'll have the alpha and he, you know, they just kind of respect their chain of command or right. whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, I got that. Oh, but not ours. Not ours. Really? You know, I got, yeah, I got broke back mountain gizmo who, you know, oh, he's no. crippled. He, you know, his back legs don't work, but he doesn't really, and he's small. Yeah. You yeah. know, he's a, he's a corgi, but he was mixed with something else that was really tiny. <laughs> so he's got, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, he won't it, stop fighting. He it, picks fights. It makes a corgi with a dachshund, and they don't yeah. have they don't have legs. I mean, no, <laughs> it's like he's like I said, the back two don't work. The front two, he may as well have rollers on. I mean, it's just I feel like you know what? I feel like I should put tennis balls on the bottom of his front feet. You know, just make it easier. So anyway, if Frankenstein had a dog. Yeah, there you go. It would. Be, and the thing is, is he, he doesn't realize that he is, he's small, he's weak, he's yeah. crippled oh, and he won't I stop. Know. So no, anyway, never do. Yeah. And, but a friend of mine said, well, you know, if you leave the dogs, they will battle it out. They will realize that their place in the society and they'll move on. And, but now I, we've separated gizmo. We keep him away. Okay. Yeah. But Nalex, the church parking lot dog, um, he, and, 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 hank our our buddies oh, good. most of the time most of the time i say most of them <laughs> but hank but that's called foreshadowing by the way nalex actually <laughs> won't stop growling you're petting him he's growling you know uh -oh. and i just the thing is, is that you think what happened to this dog you know was somebody so mean you know that they would pet him and beat him at the same time. I mean, what's going on with this? Now, is is, anyway, Nalex, is Nalex like a Chihuahua or? Yeah, I, he's that weenie dog mix. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah. So he's probably got yeah. some Chihuahua in him. Oh, he's got it? something of everything. In him. Yeah. You just sit there yeah. and growl. Exactly. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. yeah. It's like, are you purring or starting a diesel? You know, it's like big wheels rolling. I told you about when Jay got and it. I were, da were dating and they had that Chihuahua that yeah. would sit under the sofa and growl. Yeah. Yes. There you go. <laughs> But anyway, so Alex won't leave the bulldog alone, and Hank, you know, he tolerates it, but Hank's gotten to the point where he doesn't fight. He just holds him down, you know, lays on him. He's so big. and Yeah. It's like at first he did when he was little, you know, he would, but now it's like for real when they're growling and fighting at him, yeah. it's like he puts that paw and just boom, that's it. He just lays on him, and we're trying to get past this, but for so whatever funny. reason, they won't, and it's just a constant bombardment of... <laughs> you know, what in the world is next? Yeah. And the thing is, is, Hank, I don't know how big he's going to get, Mark, but I know how big he is now. Mm -hmm. And I know he's just a puppy. And I know there's <laughs> more in him. And I'm thinking, good grief, man. He's, oh. you know, if you've ever watched that show's My 600 Pound Life and you realize how, you know, that's kind of where he's headed, I think. But, Anyway, it'll be the new one. My 600 pound dog. Yeah. 
and it's like I have to wait on him. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm so hungry. At least let it reach your first stomach, Ma. You know. Oh man. But anyway. So that's the world where, and, and, you know, when you're used to having little dogs and they do their little dog business, it's, you know, not a big Uh deal. He's not, it's like the (laughs) other dogs look at it and think we've moved another animal into the house, man. It's like, it ain't moving, but boy, there's something going on, you know? Uh, Oh, I know. Don't worry about it. I'll get that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's so stanky. Oh, goodness. You know, we always make jokes about blaming it on the dog. You have gas. Ah, oh, yeah, it's the dog. Uh, with this, you walk into the house and you're going, where is the buffalo? You know? It's just, holy frijoles, man. The, you talk about a guy who eats lunch at south of the border. That's it. We should have nicknamed him Pedro, you know? As Noah once said, uh, who's going to clean up that mess? Yeah. <laughs> have you seen it down there? And. Uh, I'm not cleaning. Anyway, so all of this begins with a dog owner spending <laughs> yeah. two point seven, um, what thousand dollars on on a dog's uh, wardrobe, which we'll have to get to. In yeah, the next I know. Break. We'll do it yeah. in a minute. No, we'll do it in a minute because here was the thing yeah. on Halloween. I saw different people with their dog costumes, dude, uh-huh. and I thought, you know what? <laughs> I'm dressing Hank up as Santa Paws because. <laughs> You know, he's got the girth going on. He's jolly most of the time. I'll let Gizmo be his crippled reindeer, you know? Oh, no. I'll put a little red nose on him, and there you go. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac Show, and, you know, as I was getting my daily therapy... Is that what airing this? Well, airing if I didn't have Mark in my life, I yeah yeah man, you know, <laughs> buy a bullet, rent a gun. Go you ahead, know, that's go ahead and yeah. vent. I'm here. Like, well, thing is that I love the dogs, you know. It's oh, like, I know, yeah. I, and people do some amazing things with their pets, and I, oh, yeah. I, you know, I, it, it's not so. It, it's not something you plan on, you know. But eventually, right. yeah. you know, I just Mark I, for the life of me, and I mean this in all honesty, friends. I understand why people do what they do in many instances, but taking a family pet and just dumping them oh, somewhere. Oh, okay. That's just low. I that's guess. something I don't quite get. You yeah, know, if, if just, you truly care yeah. about the animal, the, you know, yeah. how can I, you have a dog in your house? And then mm-hmm. you, because of inconvenience or money or whatever the problem is, you just decide it's better to drop them on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just Not don't fair. understand that. I, I, and I think, I think it's because people don't understand. Well, I, sometimes it's desperation. I think they don't, they don't know what else to do. You know, right. they just can't handle it. They don't know what else to do. And right. I, and I kind of feel for that, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I know that there are people who do something called pet fostering. You know, we yeah. have foster care. Yes. There are people who pet foster. They'll yep. give you a temporary home. They'll mm-hmm. take care of you because it's better for, especially dogs. It's better for a dog to have a person or a group of people right. who that they, they become part of their pack. It's better for them and they get mm-hmm. taken care of the way they need to than it is to put them in with a bunch of other dogs, you know, it, it, for that hope of adoption, right. you know? So uh, you might, mm-hmm. you, and especially we, I, when the, when the pound gets full. Yeah. And I, I joked around about you guys, you know, having the, you know, <laughs> the dog, the dog foster care program, but it is something that really does happen. And I, I think there should be more of it. And and odds are there is more of it than I think there is, you know? Yeah, there is a lot of, um, uh, I don't, 
I was going to say you can't, the pound isn't the right term anymore, right? Uh, like, the Humane Society. It, there's yeah. another. Yeah. You, thank you. Yeah. And I know that, you know, oftentimes uh, when they get too full, they will ask, hey, if, you know, they'll call people that they know and say, hey, would you mind right. taking yeah. in a, a dog or two? And we've done that, you know, I mean, just to help. And yeah. again, if, if the, hey, and if that's you or somebody you know that ha is having trouble, you know, caring for a pet, there are outlets, you know, the dumping and dumping it on the side of the road is not your only option. And by the way, to take a pet that is used to being fed and everything else and just dumping them, oh, uh, how, how a terrible thing, a terrible yeah. thing. Anyway, and then dog owner spends, yeah. what? Yeah. I was just going to say, then there's the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's like. Who needs help, the dog or the person? Uh, a dog owner in the UK has spent over $2,700 on shoes and accessories for her dachshund. And she wants to buy even more. Five-year-old Biscuit has 43 pairs of shoes, 47 pairs of sunglasses, as well as a whole wardrobe of color-coordinated clothes with matching hats, wigs, and collars. He has more yeah, shoes... The biggest problem I have with this is calling a dog with all that biscuit. <laughs> he has more shoes than his owner, Lavi Raz, and her fiance put together. But that's not all. The dog even has. Uh, a, has uh, wait has, a minute. Yeah. Lovey. You know, they should have named the dog Thurston Howell because <laughs> his wife was Lovey. You know, oh, I got you. But that's not all. The dog even has a pair of Crocs with Swarovski's crystals on them. What a crock. <laughs> crystal, crystal covered crocks. Wow. wow. However, Lavi doesn't make Biscuit wear his clothes outside or longer than necessary because she's doing it all for his social media followers. Uh, mm -hmm. She says, Biscuit is so patient and gentle. He does whatever I ask him to. A video with him wearing shoes takes, a, takes not more than a minute to make. And after that, I kiss him and hug him and give him treats. Biscuit. Mm -hmm has more than 17,000 followers on Instagram, thanks to his uh, chic canine style. And he's received about 15 million likes on his TikTok videos. Wow, no wonder they can afford to get all that for him. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show where the headline screams, Electric plane crosses New Zealand's Cook Strait. Now, Screams. I'm, huh? What I say? Screams. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> the headline screams. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Miami my attacked head. by giant lizards. That's screaming. <laughs> okay. I guess I was thinking about how Tesla is rolling over in his grave, screaming. Okay. Oh, that's maybe maybe that's it. <laughs> because Nikola Tesla had oh, a yeah. plan. Yeah. For radiant, for getting using an antenna to gather up the uh, radiant energy right, yes. that would power your motors, and he was mm -hmm. like, "You could keep an airplane up in flight as long as it, you know, you wanted because uh, you yeah. never need to refuel." Uh -huh. He ran his uh, his Duesenberg the same way, you know, oh, up okay. in upstate New York. I mean, of course, you know, uh, see, I can tell you're mocking. You don't under, you're mocking under your breath. You don't understand, Mark, that his nephew, twice removed, actually was with him during this whole time. When he hid the car in a barn and outside of Buffalo, New York, and ah. drove it around for ten days, and <laughs> okay, I, I, I you know, know. <laughs> hold on, I'm trying to remember. I'm read. trying to remember where my hip waders are. Hold on, fine. 
<laughs> yeah. A New Zealand. Look, I don't know how much I believe or don't believe, but I know the story's out there. And, yeah, I, you know, I understand Martin, he invented time about travel, big... which is what really happened to him. So he's just decided to leave. Mark, you're going to next crack on my hoverboards. I know that. So go ahead and do your daggone place. You got a couple of minutes? No. No. We're not talking about hoverboards anymore because daggone it. You know what? I'm keeping them for me and Braylon. That's it. Is that it? Papa, do you really know how to ride a bicycle? (laughs) Oh, a New Zealand company announced its all-electric airplane has become the first aircraft of its type to make the 48-mile flight across the country's Cook Strait. Electric Air, which owns and operates the uh, Pipistrel Alpha Electroplane, announced founder Gary Friedman piloted the electric aircraft, for the approximately 40-minute flight from Omaka to Wellington Airport, the company said Friedman's flight is believed to be a new world record for the longest flight over water by an all-electric plane. Friedman said after his flight, This is the start of a radical change in the way we fly. Bigger, longer-range electric aircraft are on the way and are ideal for short-haul routes. New Zealand is the perfect place for electric planes to be widely used with one of the highest rates of short haul flights per person of any country in the world and an electrically an electricity grid powered from predominantly renewable sources. So he says, hmm, I don't believe 98 percent of that story, Mark. <laughs> Do you not? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just thinking at the airport. Like, we're sorry, uh, passengers. Please be patient. We're. We're changing the batteries in the airplane. (laughs) (laughs) That's a real confidence builder. (laughs) Liferadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac show. And, uh, you know, it's good to have you with us. We appreciate it. I was looking over, uh, different stories and websites that I have when we were, uh, when I, when I was being mocked about the uh, Tesla electric car from the 1930s. Uh, who would do that? So I, I went ahead and emailed you the story, Mark, to so keep up with it. <laughs> Thank but you. just so you know, it's been so widely reported. <laughs> there's an actual website about the uh, Nikola Tesla electric car hoax. Oh. That's what it's actually called on Wikipedia. <laughs> because everything on Wikipedia is actually true. Oh, sure, yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's i i've read this story so many times and and how it's been reported mark and Uh, even i don't believe it okay just so you know okay i remember when i was working for sdea (laughs) somebody called me into their office and asked is there any way that we can stop these people from changing our information on wikipedia (laughs) 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 because there was somebody who had made it their mission in life to go in and and rewrite uh the bio scott's bio yeah (laughs) really yeah and you would, they'd go in and they'd change it. They'd correct it. They'd lock it. And somebody would find a way to get back into it and change his bio again. So what happens when you run for political office, you know, yeah, and you're a, a Republican, that. that's okay. Yeah. You're a Republican, <laughs> a conservative yeah. Christian Republican running for office. And uh-huh. all of a sudden hate. it's like, the hate yeah, it's just horrible. Amazing. Yeah. It, I, I think Mark, the part that bothers me about it as much as anything is how childish it is. Yes. And the fact that I remember when, uh, you know, after eight years of the Obama Biden administration, oh, yeah. thinking, you know, when when Trump won in twenty sixteen, it was like finally the adults are in charge, you know? Mm, yeah. And the thing is, is you know what? The liberal Democrats, they stole that that terminology and actually mm. referred to the Biden administration as the 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 adults are back in charge. 
And you're like, yeah. holy moly, really? This guy can't even stay awake for public meetings, you yeah. know? I anyway, think, I think the people are waking up though because uh, yeah, uh, uh, because Biden went it went to Virginia and campaigned. Obama went to Virginia and campaigned, and uh, Harris went to Ob- uh, went to Virginia, and they all campaigned for Terry McAuliffe, and yep. Terry, McCau- Terry McAuliffe got defeated roundly, yep. soundly the, last night. Two people who owe him the most were not allowed to come, and that was Bill and Hillary Clinton. You know, <laughs> yes, if yes. you really want to know about McAuliffe, go look at the track record Holy with the Clintons cow. in the nineties. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, Mark. All robots right. hit the streets, yep. and uh, I'm thinking, you know what? Rosie the robot from the Jetsons, right? That's what I think. Every time I think about I Oh, but I meant to ask you, uh, yes. well, I meant to just, Braylon has now uh, caught on to the fact that Alfred is the butler for Batman. Yes. And he started referring to me as his butler. And I thought he was making fun of me, and I just didn't understand, you That's know, because awesome. I was only catching the first part of the word once I heard the no. butler. You know, I'm uh-huh, like, what? Yes. Hey. This is the pawpaw man. Why? Why am I a? You know, come on. He's like, no. You know, I'm like, well, then call me Alfred, please. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, I'm man. not kidding. I actually said, hey, do you know where we? You know, he had taken his boots off and left them on the floor. I said, uh-huh. hey, Bray, do you know where we put these? He said, my butler needs to do it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I'm like, <laughs> this is the same kid who came back with picking my nose or picking yep. boogers yep picking boogers <laughs> yeah i mean i have i'm gonna be honest that's great i've done a good job mark i'm feeling pretty proud <laughs> you except should be that, proud of yourself i don't know how it got boomeranged onto me now mm, you know yeah, I've, i i have become the punchline i thought that was supposed to be everybody else i thought i was on the same team <laughs> that's just how it works get used I'm to go it. sit in the corner and cry oh, be like oh. jim baker in a fetal Bless position your heart all right so anyway, let's get yes, back to robots. robots. Yeah, robot food delivery is no longer yes. robot food, food delivery. delivery. Yes, are these robots that have to be fed, or is robots no, doing the job? I think maybe the guy in England who got the wrong pizza could have used yeah. a robot food delivery system. They're no longer the stuff of science fiction. You may not see it in your neighborhood anytime soon, though. Hundreds of little robots, knee high and able to hold around four large pizzas, are now navigating college campuses. And even some city sidewalks in the United States, the UK, and elsewhere. While robots were being tested in limited numbers before the coronavirus hit, the companies building them say the pandemic-related labor shortages and a growing preference for contactless delivery have accelerated their deployment. Quote, we saw demand for robot usage just go through the ceiling. I think demand was always there, but it was brought forward by the pandemic effect. So says Alastair Westgarth. He's the CEO of Starship Technologies, which recently completed its two millionth robot delivery. Starship has more than a thousand robots in its fleet, up to just two fi- up from just two fifty in two ni- 2019. Hundreds more will be deployed soon. They're delivering food on twenty U.S. campuses, twenty four. Uh, 25 more will be added soon. They're also operating on sidewalks in Milton Keynes, England, Modesto, California, and the company's hometown of Tallinn, Estonia. Robot designs vary. Some have four wheels, some have six, for example. But generally, they use cameras, sensors, GPS, and sometimes laser scanners to navigate sidewalks and even cross streets autonomously. And they move around at about five miles an hour. Remote operators keep tabs on multiple robots at a time, but they say they rarely need to hit the brakes or steer around an obstacle. When a robot arrives at its destination, customers type a code into their phones to open the lid and retrieve their food. 
So we finally have developed robots that can do something like this, and we've turned them into a uh, a minimum wage job stealer. Okay. <laughs> well, I think maybe it's the minimum wage workers who refuse to go back to work that are responsible for this. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, hey, man, a quick aside. You know, we mentioned earlier about the Braves uh, winning the World Series right, last night. Yeah. And uh, it was a big, big time. The Braves haven't won since, what, the strike-shortened season, I think, of 95. It's been a long time. But, anyway, so congrats to the Braves. And, uh, you know, the uh, Astros were heavily favored to win. Mm. And the Braves put the big chop shot on the whole thing. You know, that was the one <laughs> thing that came out of this, the... Uh, there was a lot of political stuff made uh, about yeah. the, you know, Braves tomahawk chop yeah. and like, really, come on guys. We just can't have fun with anything, period. You yeah. know, yeah. it's like they changed the Washington Redskins name, mm-hmm. not because any native Americans had a problem with it. It was because the liberals had a problem with it, right? Uh, the Braves and others are soon to follow suit. But anyway, I just, yeah. I remember when the Braves, they had chief Nakahoma, you know, and yes. he was out there in the right uh-huh. field stands and when they made it to the playoffs, whatever year it was, they had they removed him uh, because they wanted to sell the seats, you know. Mm. And yeah, yeah. They ended up not winning after that, so I think they learned a lesson. You <laughs> know, Chief so. Nakahoma. Yeah. <laughs> just, remember, remember the uh, the mascot for the Reds uh, was it uh, Chief Wahoo? Oh, I have no idea. You think? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I I bought the oh, when they when they his. That, oh yeah, I remember you doing that. Yeah, he was okay, the mas- yeah. he was the mascot, and they started taking him off of everything. And as soon as yeah. I heard that they were going to take him off of all of their stuff, I ordered one of the hats. Yeah, you know? I remember that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's funny. And those major but, league baseball hats are not cheap. No, they're not. <laughs> and that's what made me think about you know the that Seattle is one of the most liberal cities in America. Mm-hmm. And back in the day in 1969, do you remember the uh, team, the major league baseball team not the mariners they actually did have a major league baseball team for one year in 1969 in seattle do you remember the name of the team no the pilots okay we'll see (laughs) no i don't remember wow okay well jim bouton wrote a book called ball four Mm -hmm. and it was about his year with the seattle pilots in 1969 great book about baseball and it was uh back in 1960 when he wrote the book oh man it was it created a firestorm oh. you know yeah it was bad mm. because he talked about what really happened you know in the locker room you know and nobody had ever done that before oh, yeah. he, he got to remember that when babe ruth was coming you know playing and he was uh ooh, you know he was not a good guy to follow as an example on how to live your private life you know <laughs> no. but the the writers of the time covered up for him you know oh, yeah it's like you know he would come to the ballpark you know hung over and mm-hmm. hadn't gone to bed or yeah. whatever. And, you know, they covered for him. Yeah. And so when, when Bouton wrote the book in 1969, it just really was an expose. And uh, I remember getting my hands on the book and my uh, stepfather, he did not want us having that. Wow. Not in his. Yeah. And so I had to hide it. Wow. It was the first book I ever hid. Hmm. How about that? First. And anyway, so whenever I see it, well, yeah, I mean, you know. yeah, okay. I'm, I'm anyway, Seattle. So whenever I see a story about Seattle, oh, I think about think the of, Seattle yeah. Pilots. Yeah, I and you, yeah. The Seattle is the most anxious major metro in the U.S. And about that, yeah. They uh, there was a survey conducted between September 29th and October. Survey 11th. Says, <laughs> it said that it says that 54.5 percent of the adult population of King Pierce and Snohomish 
counties, that's roughly 1.8 million people, said they felt nervous, anxious, or on edge for at least several days during the past two weeks. That's the highest percentage among the 15 largest U.S. metro areas. The data comes from the ongoing Household Pulse Survey, an experimental product of the U.S. Census Bureau. Unlike other census products, which have a have a long lag time, the Household Pulse Survey provides near real-time data. The Household wow. Pulse Survey includes data for all 50 states plus the 15 largest metro areas. Wow. Seattle just makes the cut at number 15. <laughs> so they're anxious. Yeah, they're yeah, the most anxious population of any of those cities. Well, wow. yeah. They're very very liberal, you yeah, know. They are. That yeah. that's where they did the minimum wage thing yeah. and uh you know, they had a uh, a guy, a, a company that was led by a man, and I don't even know what his political affiliation is slash was at the time, mm-hmm. but he did say, look, I've got plans to build two or three more, you know, pretty extravagant business-related uh, hotels, right. you know, things for downtown, and if you do this, I'm not going to be able to build them. It right, won't yeah. work in my business, and they passed it, and he had to stop. He couldn't do it, you know. Yeah. He couldn't afford to pay, you know, Put people pulling the sheets off the bed, you know, 15 bucks an hour. Hmm. And, and that's where they raised the, uh, <laughs> in Seattle, they taxed, uh, soft drinks, you know, the two liter oh, soft drinks yes. to the point where people in Seattle, they just drove outside the city limits and bought it, you know, for a buck or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's brilliant. That, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And that's where, isn't it <laughs> Seattle where they actually have this whole area where police are not allowed you know, like a homeless district. I think it was. And, I think that's where, yeah. oh, the Chad thing. Yeah. yeah I, I think yeah. that's where it was. Yeah. Okay. That's right. It's also where Starbucks started. Oh, good. Grief. You know, that's where Starbucks wow. started. If they're anxious, maybe they should yeah. cut back on well, the caffeine. But I'm pumped. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Max show, and uh, we do appreciate you joining us. We ask that you share it with a friend, neighbor, whatever. Just, hey, listening to Mark and Max, liferadio.fm. Yeah. One of the little hooks that gets me to look at stories, yeah. you know, when I'm online and I'm doing whatever, the sad story, you know, <laughs> of what what happened to Thurston yeah. Howell the Third, you right, know, yeah, well, yeah. things like that. Yeah. The sad ending of Dave Mack, you know, right. I, that, that catches my attention. And so mm. when Mark includes the story with the headline, the sad story of the man, dot, 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 right, you yeah. know, I'm, yeah, you and, got me. So and tell gen- me. Generally speaking, that's the one I won't look at. I don't care about that. I, no, I'm sorry. Because usually it's like, eh, when I'm looking for stories for the show, mm, I want the something. To, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want the sad stories. I want stuff. You won't we can believe about. number yeah. 11. It's, it's right. <laughs> stuff like that. But this one, I read through it and said, yeah, okay, this works. A couple of gaming generations ago, the big new gimmick was motion controls. Instead of just hitting buttons, you could wiggle and slide around by waving in front of a Microsoft Connect or a Sony Move controller. You might remember this, where you could stand in front of your TV and, and, and actually move around to play the game. It'd make you feel like you were in the game. It was sure to make games a whole lot more fun. It, it turned out to not be fun at all. Instead of uh, immersing you into games, it shattered immersion by making you constantly pay attention to where your hands were instead of the game. <laughs> But until everybody realized how bad motion controls were, people were convinced it was the future. People like New Hampshire man Henry Gribbum. In 2013, Henry wanted to connect and had a great scheme to get his hands on one, 
by playing a game. Playing a carnival game, that is. A local carnival was hosting a game called Tubs of Fun where he just had to toss a ball into a tub. If he won, he could get a connect. He gave it a shot, and while the game looked easy enough, his ball kept bouncing out. Mark, I would like to add one quick thing. With a game called Tubs of Fun, doesn't that sound like something I would get in trouble for? Yes, it does. Okay. <laughs> Throwing it out there. Yeah, I was watching Tubs of Fun the other night. Yeah. Uh, the Carney, an independent contractor, which meant the fair denied liability for his shenanigans, ah. mm-hmm, offered Henry a deal. He could keep playing for double or nothing and win back all his money, in addition to winning the Connect. Henry mm. took him up on this, played some more, and soon he was out 300 bucks. <laughs> he went home and fetched even more money to double down on his losses. Wow. Uh, side note, never, ever do this, whether you're trying a game of skill in a casino or playing the stock market. Never do this. Henry lost $2,600 that day. With that sum, he could have bought almost 20 connects. He won no connect, but the carnival did give him a giant stuffed banana with dreadlocks for his trouble. The carnival game was rigged. He later insisted to the news that and the police, it probably was, it probably was, many carnival games are, and you shouldn't only take part, you should only take part if you're with friends and think the game itself is fun, even with no prize. With tubs of fun, the ball may be designed to always bounce out, unless another ball is already in the tub to cushion the impact. Hopefully, Henry can console himself by knowing that motion controls soon fell out of fashion. <laughs> you know, Mark, this is such a sad story on so many levels, okay? <laughs> I but I will tell you, at the uh, county fair or carnival or whatever we went to last week, I had to try to explain to Braylon why we don't play these games. Right. Okay. And, you know, he hasn't quite learned the art of volume control with his voice. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, cheating and lying Dad, look and all out, that. She's yeah. backing up. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So I actually just finally said, Papa doesn't have any money anymore. You know, <laughs> you got no money. <laughs> oh, no. I, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. I just bless our hearts. You yes. know, you try to, <laughs> there's no quick, but that they know that. And the thing is these carnival barkers and you know, okay, here you go. The program director in me, mm. why aren't you giving me a little show here? You're just standing there waiting me to, you know, hand you dollars or, yeah, show me you know, that works. <laughs> yeah, no, none of that. It's just, here's yeah. the stuffed animals. Here's the rig game. Give it your best shot, yeah. you know? And the thing is that at the times I have seen the game like that, when the Barker says, oh, look, it's easy. And he does it himself. You don't think about the fact that he's standing three feet closer. He's because he's on the other side of the counter from you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and he's in a different place than you're allowed to stand. And he's using a very special ball. that's yeah, actually he, small enough he, to get in the rim. Right. He could have a special ball or he's done this so many times. Yeah. He could be blindfolded with one high hand <laughs> tied behind his back and still do it right they are all rigged it's all rigged i've watched though you know what go on youtube and watch them they'll show you how to win some of them which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting yeah. but there's a guy again named, there's a guy named mark rober who has a, a couple of them a couple of yeah. videos just about carnival carnival games like that really yes. cool yep. Yeah. 
liferadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac show where if there's a golf course with an alligator on it, you got to bet Mark's got a story Woo-hoo! because yes. one of the funniest things ever said <laughs> about golf. If your ball goes near a tree in the a fairway, log on the fairway, yeah. yeah, log on the fairway. We don't have logs on the fairway, you know? Those are <laughs> like, alligators. <laughs> how That's still, to this day, I'm thinking, who would think? You know, just that's a funny way to explain. It We're is. in Florida. We have alligators. Don't mess with them. <laughs> that's what you'll be told if you play golf at one of Disney World's courses, just so you know. <laughs> well, in Mississippi, a golfer on a course there faced an unusual hazard when an alligator grabbed his ball and carried it off to a nearby pond. Victoria Williams said her hubby Keith was playing in a tournament at Wind Dance Golf Course in Gulfport when his ball ended up near a pond on the 12th hole. The golfers captured video when an alligator strolled up to the ball, grabbed it in its jaws, and then carried the ball off into the pond. The U.S. Golf Association's rules state such an incident should result in a free drop. Quote, Rule 16 covers when and how the player may take free relief by playing a ball from a different place, such as when there is interference by an abnormal course condition or a dangerous animal condition. So states the rule. (laughs) So it's actually in the U.S. Golf Association's rules that if an alligator, you roll up against an alligator, alligator, (laughs) okay, just drop another ball. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Kill this. Mark and Mac are back. The Mark and Mac Show. Weekday mornings on liferadio.fm.